welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey, she's Fuliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Today we're talking to Anna Mazayan and I'm going to let Fuliana introduce her. Hi Anna and thank you and welcome. Thank you. Anna's been in her career as marketing for over 18 years in the various industries, in the finance industry, in places such as in education institutions, membership associations and training organisations insurance and finance, as I said. Anna's passionate about helping her corporate clients. She's set up her own company now, and she's passionate about helping her corporate clients with their products and marketing and branding to help them achieve their goals. In addition to that, Anna's also passionate about helping individuals through Toastmasters to excel at being eloquent speakers and uh, does that for both individuals and individuals within a larger organisation as well. Well Anna, that covers a fair range of topics for us to talk about today. Can you narrow down for us the thing that perhaps is your area of most passion at the moment? It's interesting because I have two passions. Marketing is my passion, that's something that I, I guess grew into the role at a later time in my career. And the second passion that I recently found, of course, is also public speaking and helping others to be able to, to speak in public effectively and, and engagingly. What I loved about marketing, it's, it's interesting because I started my career in reverse to what most people do. Mm. Most people, they finish school, then they go to university, and then they start their first role in the workplace, and then gradually increase in um, responsibility. Whereas I did everything in the flip side. So I started my family at a very young age. So, uh, and when my children started school, that's when I went back to the workforce and realized, oh, hang on, I need to do something you know, if I want to get somewhere in, this, in, in my career. So I started wor uh, working and studying at the same time. So I did three qualifications, all of them part-time. So I was forever studying. The first one was accounting, thinking of that's what I wanted to do. When the kids were young, when I first went back to work, it was, you know, account, account, accounts type role. So I thought I'd do my accounting and that's what I'm going to be doing. Six years later, when I finished and got my qualification, I realized I didn't really have a passion for that. While I really enjoyed the fact that I can understand financials and financial statements really helped me in, in my roles, but it wasn't something that I wanted to do day in, day out. So then I went back to drawing on what is it that I want to do. So I took a year out and went, went to full-time university, and during that time, it was interesting because the first year, obviously, you, 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 you get a number of exemptions, but the first year you get exposed to a number of different areas. One of them was marketing, and I didn't know what marketing was about. I had no idea, but when I did my very first introductory subject, and I realised then that that's what I really wanted to do, and I found my, I found something that I really loved, and I continued and I finished my qualifications, and in the workplace as well. I was fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to start to move towards that. From there, I moved to I was I was working for a large financial institution at the time. Then I moved into a smaller organisation where in a smaller organisation, where in a larger organisation you've got niche areas that you work in. When I moved to a smaller organisation, of course, you've got the broad, the breadth of marketing. So whether it's branding or um, product marketing, advertising, whatever it might be, you've got the whole gamut. And that's when I started the development. I loved, that's what I loved. And from there, obviously, I progressed into other roles and into more senior roles. So yes, I did everything on the flip, on the flip side. Looking back on it now, 
Are you glad that it was that way? It's interesting when people ask me that. I, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong, but what I found doing them at an older age is you've got the maturity. Um, and I think that's the key difference. You've got the maturity to study and to take it seriously. But also, when, you've, when you're studying, and you also might be working, you might even just be doing admin roles. However, you've got that level of experience of working in an organization, exactly, working with people, managing people, that I think gives you a head start. And because you've got that maturity, you move forward a lot quicker than you would if you were starting straight from, from university at a younger age. And it always interests me, the number of people that we've talked to about moving across industries, not, not staying specifically with one product type or one industry. Yeah that every industry's got something to contribute. You've learned from all the industries you've been in. Absolutely. And, and cross-match them, use things from one industry in yeah. another industry yeah. because you can see that it will work there. Absolutely, transferable skills. I mean, once you learn something, it's being able to adapt to the new industry. When it comes to it, really, it's understanding the products and services that an organisation mm. um, is producing and mm. servicing. So once you understand that and you understand the market that they're serving, the rest, really, it's all just transferable skills. And what you've learned in some roles, you're just applying here, but towards a different product, towards a different type yeah. of market. So do you also go through a, a process where you determine an ideal client for your product? When you say ideal client, from a marketing perspective, we look at different segments. So it might very well be in the, what we call target audience, or it might be segments. So we might have a large uh, market, but from that market, it's segmenting to the particular audiences. For it might be the same product, mm -hmm. however, for each segment, it might be a different thing that is attractive to them. It's being able to identify that and talking to them, at, talking to them at their level, at the, you know, the language that will yeah. trigger their interest. And yeah. I think that's the key thing from when you're talking about a client. That's from a marketing perspective, but on a, on a on a larger scale, one of the things, other things that I did in my previous role is we had large sponsorship of corporate clients as well. From, from that perspective, from the sponsorship perspective, the ideal client, I suppose, is the one that will find real value in what we have to offer and being able to come to us and we can package something for them where they will find valuable and get the ROI that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. They're coming mm -hmm. to us because they want to be able to connect with their customers who are also our members, for example. So in terms of marketing, have you always started with a product in inverted commas to market? Or have you had to look at, this is a, a, a niche group that isn't serviced by the broader industry that I'm in, should a product be developed? Absolutely, I think we do both. You've got a product, but then you, you're always, you know, whatever role you're in, you're always identifying the needs of the child. What's their pain point, I suppose? Identifying what their pain point is and developing products that would meet that, that would close that gap. Yeah. Um, in the last role, for example, one of the key things that I found was what was missing was a key differentiator for our members to be part of an association. What they really wanted was something that would make them stand apart from others. Mm -hmm. And so we needed to create something that would enable them to do that. And through a number of research and negotiations, we were able to develop that. And that meant they felt proud to become a member of an association for that 
perspective. It's not just to be a member in order to have access to products, but it's to become a member to join that organisation in order for them to feel like they've got a status and recognition. And that, that's one example. So in that sense, then the, what you're talking about developing in terms of, of marketing is a, applicable not just to commercial organisations, but to special interests, across the board, that they really have to be looking at those sorts of of things. Absolutely. We're probably going to let Brianna say something, otherwise we'll both be in trouble. <laughs> Do you have a question for yeah. Brianna? <laughs> I was actually going to touch on the fact that when you work for a different, which you have, different size organisation, the decision, the, the marketing aspect of the product development, etc., might have similarities, but getting those decisions through and agreed through the politics of an organisation did it differ from one size to another? Did it differ? I think I think in a lot of organisations you've got to be able to to somehow prove the mm -hmm. value of what you're offering. Yeah. And I think whether it's a small organisation or a large organisation, you still need to do that. Yes. If if it's an if it's a small organisation, it might be a not for profit, but you still mm -hmm. have boards that you've got to yeah. access. You've got still got the executive team that you've got to access, and then. Mm -hmm. In some areas, you've got the members that also need to, to agree to it. So while small organisations, quite often people think it's, it's they're more nimble, mm -hmm. but there's still a lot of hurdles you've got to yes. jump through to be able to prove what you're putting to the market is, is going to, at the end of the day, bring value to the organisation and to, to your customers. So your stakeholders are still stakeholders. Absolutely. Then you've still got to sell the concept, you've got to prove it, and then go from there. Absolutely. Yeah. Some people think there's less politics in small organisations. That, has, that <laughs> hasn't been my experience. Yes. <laughs> Would you say that marketing is an area that's misunderstood or confused with sales? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting when you ask some people, what's marketing? Some of them say, oh, it's buying the squeezy balls and you find at the events. Or <laughs> they think that's all it is. Or some people say it's marketing when it, when it is sales. Absolutely, there is definitely a misconception. The marketing team really supports the sales team. The marketing team needs to be able to generate the leads for the sales team to converge. And I think that's the key differentiator. But also, the marketing is not only getting the leads, but it's also enhancing the brand and it's enhancing the reputation. It's being able to identify your key targets and talking to them at their level. So it's the preparation and the tools to give to the sales team in order to help them sell the product, but also the activities that you do is what will generate the leads for the, for the conversion. That's, that's the key differentiator, I would say. Do you have marketing mentors, people, not, not so much for you personally, but, but people in the marketing world that you look at and, and want to learn from or Absolutely. continually learn from? Absolutely. One of my former colleagues actually has been a great marketing mentor for me and whenever I've needed something, you know, I need to bounce an idea off, uh, I used to do that. But also in addition to that, um, it's the joining associations and where you have like-minded people and I mean obviously I was a member of ADMA and I used to attend the monthly CMO meeting that they used to have where each month a different CMO would present their challenges and you know what they've been able to um, to produce 
that's been instrumental in helping me to mm, identify new opportunities and um, new ways to do things, new trends. And I think that's an important part of in any profession to be able to <clears throat> try and connect with uh, an association where you've got similar people, similar like minds and uh, people in the same profession. You learn of each other and you learn new ideas, you learn new technologies are out there and to be able to expand your skills. And it's good to have a mastermind group where you all know at a certain level the challenges that you face. Absolutely. But there will always be someone who has gone past that challenge and, right. and is prepared to share it with you. And I think it's very important for us to, to maintain some level of encouragement for the people who are listening to us that those sorts of meetings, those sorts of gatherings are not about people sabotaging or finding out industrial information yes. that, that shouldn't be shared. But it's about sharing experience and knowledge and wisdom and people learning from one another. And it might not be that they learn from that activity that you talk about at those meetings, but they learn something else that helps them along Absolutely. the way and helps them make, it might be a technique that they learn of writing down their ideas or not writing down or not taking on the stress or not, or not dealing with that problem and, and having time out at the beginning of the day it might be totally unrelated to what you're talking about but they pick up something out of that gathering you know, and absolutely I think the mastermind concept is probably the best thing for people at this level of their careers to be encouraged to participate in that actually extends internationally, doesn't it? Because I know from other conversations we had that you have helped people in other countries learn from some of the stuff you've done in the associations and, and vice versa. And so that extends sort of that knowledge, getting to know, going to conferences offshore as well as onshore, talking to like organisations. Did you find there are portable things that you can get from, say, the UK to here, here to the UK, etc. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we were launching one of those products, it was um, actually working very closely with the UK. Mm. And yeah, I mean, it was interesting how much they learned from the Australian yes. market and the way we do things. And they, you know, they used to often come to um, meetings and when we present, um, whether it's a branding concept or whether it's a e-marketing type or you know yes. electronic marketing or, or social media type the things that they learned from from our market is it was mm. actually incredible and, mm. vi and vice versa absolutely yeah. in touching then on the social media and the e-marketing we do live in an age where so many more opportunities are presented to us to to promote business and activities and products, how do you keep up to date with it? Mm -hmm. And is it something, so two part question, how do you keep up to date? And secondly, do you take on everything that, that new that comes along? I think the key thing is to have your strategy in place and stick to your strategy. What's your strategy? What is it that you're trying to achieve? So with social media, it's imperative that you, have, you do that because you can otherwise be out there throwing everything out without really having a purpose. What's your purpose? What are you trying to achieve? And I think that's the key thing. When I developed a social media strategy in my previous role, we, there was a definite purpose. We had a number of different mediums that we used and each one had a purpose and each one had a different market if you like. Mm. So each one had uh, different types of subjects, uh, different um, 
and communication tools. I think that's that's the most important thing is before you even go out there is what is it you want to achieve from this medium and how are you going to do that? Because the last thing you want to do is bombard um, your mm. audience because a lot of organisations do do that as well. It's just so much out there that you just get turned off. So what is it that's going to increase their, um, their interest? What sort of information will they find interesting so that you can make sure it's in line with that? and you're not just constantly pushing out sales type information. Social media really is about information, helping others to be able to find things of interest with it from that organisation that they can look at, they can read about. That instinct, instinctively, that builds your brand and they know and importantly, it gives you a level of expertise. And so those individuals then obviously then would come to you when they are ready to look for a product in the market because they, they know your level of expertise from the information that you've given them. It's finding a good balance and understanding each each media is different type of information and how much do you service you can obviously automate some but then you're quite often sending out information that's not relevant mm -hmm. to that market. So it's finding that relevance is really so, important. So once you've done that I'm interested in the measurement side. On the other side of the scale, yeah. or in, if we looked back at 10 years ago, mm -hmm. it was easy for us to measure the results of a marketing campaign. It, it was very cut and dry. You know, we, we reached this many people, we had this many leads, we got this many sales, you know, for example. With the measurement tools and that are based on different styles of marketing now, how hard is it to adjust to the different scale of results? And what I mean by that is that, that if I look at my own businesses, if I advertise and I get a 5% click-through rate, I think I'm doing exceptionally well. Where When I first started and they said to me, oh, if you get 5%, that'll be good, my mind said, 5%? For all of those people that are contacted, I'm only going to get 5%. Yeah. And so, so how hard is the adjustment in terms of of the, the measurement. Yeah. From the adjustment is actually, it's easy because when you, if you were doing a direct mail campaign, the only measurement is if somebody picks up the phone and rings you. Whereas with if you're doing e-marketing, yes, as you mentioned, not only can you see how many people opened and read it, but you can also see how many people click through, but click through the different parts of your communication. It might, and then that helps you to understand what they're interested in, what they want to read. That also enables you then to, if you're doing other campaigns as a follow-up to that, to identify those that have that interest and then be able to segment and target different key mm -hmm. messages to each of those groups. Yeah. And I think that is invaluable from that it's perspective. Powerful. Exactly. Really powerful. Yeah. yeah. And of course then that's your you know your lead generation, then conversions obviously is, is an, another measure. Uh, but yes, it is five percent you is not so bad, uh, but you know if you do thirty percent open rates, for example, for an you know for an email campaign, that's considered fantastic. <laughs> uh, whereas before, if you were doing a direct mail campaign, you don't know how many people just throw it in the bin. Yeah. yeah. From an advertising campaign, you, well, you know, advertisers estimate how many people are likely to see it. You don't really know how many actually saw it. So I think that's the key thing with electron anything electronic. You know how many people are doing certain things. There's, yeah, there's so many exactly. more ways to measure. That's yeah. right. Yeah.
And it's invaluable to be able to do that. Same with social media, you know how many followers, how many how many people read it, how many people put it forward it, all those things, mm. how many people liked it, etc. Those measurements are much easier. There's actually more tools available now exactly. than there was. So so marketing can be far more fine tuned and directed without needing the bombardment, which is great. But it also actually makes you work much faster too because you've got all that information. Right. Now you're in a position to react. So you're constantly saying, I thought so many people only went this far in reading it, so I better change the beginning. And so you're testing it again. Exactly. So I guess the pressure, but also the excitement you work under in marketing has increased. Yes, it, it has. I, I think you be, you're able to quickly turn things around much more quickly than you would because there's mm -hmm. no printing and posting yes. um, and you quickly track what your campaigns and how they measure how, what uh, the results and then be able to quickly turn around and go, okay, we need to make sure we can get the numbers that we want, let's do a campaign for this group, targeting them, speaking to them in this way, that mm. group. It's very, very quick turnaround, like you yes. said. So you, your campaigns are much quicker yeah. than, than they used to be. Mm. But I think it's important to also remember different people consume things differently. Yes. So it's, it's important to bear that in mind and to make sure that you're still covering the way people want to consume. So if it is print, you need to make sure that there is that as part of your overall yeah. um, campaign. So mm -hmm. not everything is electronic, while more and more is now moving to electronic. So given that we have the opportunity to gather so much more data now about a client group, does that give you a better source of information? Is there more information out there than you can actually use in terms of client groups? Generally. <laughs> Generally, you know, yeah, you've got to have a system to support it, and I think that's the yes. key thing. I mean, CRM systems that support all that information. Otherwise, it's really, you know, you've got that information. What, what are you going to do with it? You're not, you're not working with one or two clients or potential customers. You're working with thousands, so, and so you need to have systems. So that's when more marketing automation is really something, something relatively new, which is something that helps with that. It's being able to identify certain actions of individuals. The, and being able to then um, put them in, I guess, different baskets and being able to communicate to them at the right time. That's something that supports big groups of people. It's the lead generation, really. It's being able to identify lead scoring where you, you, know, you, you score different measurements for different actions that, someone, that someone's done. And again, if you can only do it through electronic forms because then you can see the steps that they've taken, whether they've done a website visit, whether they've called in, whether they've responded to an email and all of them after scoring then you, you're able to take action because that, that person has done so many so many different steps so when you if you have the technology and the systems to support that then you've got a, an exciting communication but it's the systems and that takes time to build and, yeah, yeah to mature mm. have you it's ever good. been really surprised with a, a result oh yeah good or bad doesn't matter <laughs> I've been surprised at some of the positive um, results that we've, we've had. I think I mentioned to you one of the things that in an association, the thing that members were looking for is beyond just the products, but what feeling that they get to be part, to belong to, mm -hmm. to that particular association. Um, when, we, when I identified that, that's obviously research was very clear and we developed um, a key proposition that would meet that. And then it's finding a way to sell that finding a way to communicate that they'll make them feel that and the response we got was 
astronomical. It was just an incredible... Very rewarding because it's not, yes. it's not a, a tangible thing. Exactly. Yeah. And so exactly. to be able to sell something that's that intangible is, is very rewarding. Very, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know, and I know at the time how exciting it was for the people themselves, the members, mm -hmm. as well as the organisation, to, to say, well, that is something that we never thought about, yeah. and now they see it as a plus by That's being right. there. And I, I think it also goes to show you that people like to mix with like minds. Mm -hmm. They like to mix and learn from people who are as passionate about a topic right. as they are, mm -hmm. and, and that makes a difference. Yeah. Just looking to the future, mm -hmm. what do you see as, first of all, your area of biggest concern in marketing as an industry, not 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 anything too specific. Yeah, I think it's just a real crowded market. Okay. Getting mm. trying to get cut through. There's mm. so much, as you know, too much noise. So much noise out there. Yeah. They're bombarding you from left, right, and centre. You know, the number mm -hmm. of things that come through your emails, Facebook, social media, from all angles. It's it's being able to continually cut through. That. And as new technologies come, you oh great, this is you're the first one, you start to do them, but yeah. everybody joins in and it's, again it becomes a crowded market. I think it's const constantly trying to be able to find ways to get through that crowd. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. yeah, that noise. And what do you look forward to as the greatest innovation in marketing? What can you see or hope to see coming down the pipeline that will make a big impact in marketing? Good question. Well, automation is, is already in, but that's one of the things that I I know that mm -hmm. I'm finding now really excited about because it's because of what that does. I think a lot of organisations are catching on to this. It, it, it enables to identify one-on-one -on -one customers. Yeah. It, it enables to identify that this customer rang and asked us about that and then they did this and then they did that. So mm -hmm. instead of doing a mass marketing campaign, you're actually talking to the individual at the right time. Mm. I think that's one way to get over that noise. And mm. when you know that that person is ready, you're talking one-on-one -on -one to them. That's probably one way. While it's something now in the market, but still something new. Well, and, and because new. of that, you, you must have a better stick rate so that the people will stay with you that's for right. longer because they feel like you're the one that understands them. You know me, you like me, exactly. you understand me, I trust you. That's right. Story. That's yeah. right. And you're not constantly selling to them, but you're talking to them. I think that yeah. some, that's some of the things is just to be able to talk to them without constantly selling. And then they, they build that level of trust. Because yeah. mm. you're talking to them about what they want, not what you want. Okay. That seems like a good place to take a short break. So let's leave it there in our discussion of marketing and we'll come back next time and talk about public speaking and presentation skills. I'm Kim Bailey, she's Fuliana Osborne. We've been talking with Anna Mazayan and this is Inside Exec.